Welcome, everybody, to This Week in Legal Blogging, in which we talk with leading bloggers from across the legal industry. My name is Bob Ambrogi. I write my own blog called Law Sites. I also have a podcast called Law Next. And this program is presented by LexBlog, providing lawyers with turnkey digital publishing solutions and strategic consulting for 16 years. Uh, just a reminder before we get started that uh, all of the past uh, episodes in this series of our interviews with legal bloggers are available on YouTube at youtube.com slash LexBlog. Uh, you can also catch us as a podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. So uh, I hope you go back and check out some of our past episodes. Today, we are uh, very honored to have with us David Johnson, who is a managing shareholder with the law firm Winstead. Uh, he's based in Fort Worth, and he is a principal author of the blog Texas Welcome to the show. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. It's a, yeah. This is an honor for me to, to be here with you. Thanks. It's good to... Uh, Good to meet you virtually uh, here in this environment. Um, how, how, are, how are you doing generally uh, in these challenging times? You know, uh, I have a litigation practice, and so I practice in Texas. As you, you may know, Texas is a pretty large state. Um, I've heard I've that, got yeah. cases. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you always hear the statistic that it, it takes – uh, it's less time to get from El Paso to Los Angeles than from El Paso to Texarkana, Texas. Um, and so I've got I've got cases all over the state uh, from the very north to the very south. And so one of the strange benefits of our current situation is all the courts are that they don't want us to show up live. So yeah. all of our hearings are by Zoom. And so typically I would travel three weeks a month and now I haven't traveled in a long, long time. And so uh, everything's been doing by, by Zoom. And so actually I think it's probably harm uh, more for my wife than anyone having to see me all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's our families who are suffering in this time. Uh, do you, do you, uh, what about depositions? Are you doing uh, remote depositions as well? Or? We've yeah, done some. Yeah. Yeah, I, we've done some, and and to be honest, I'm to the extent I can, I'm pushing those off because it's just um, I don't mind defending one, but to take a deposition by Zoom is just very difficult, I find. And so sometimes you have to, um, but you know the cases seem to be you know all the scheduling orders are getting pushed off, so there's not much in the way of deadlines. So uh, the depo stuff from my practice has been kind of kicked down the road a little bit. Yeah. And what's been the situation with your, your firm? Uh, I know you're in Fort Worth, uh, which is a, a smaller, a smaller office of your firm, but are you going into the office or are you mostly staying, still all staying home? So the firm is technically open. All of our offices are, but uh, they encourage the attorneys strongly to work from home where we can. And so to be honest, I've been going into the office probably about twice a month. Um, so it's been very little. Uh, and, and the firm's been great support. We got, you know, runners that'll bring stuff from the office to our house and from our house to the office. And so um, they made it about as easy as possible to work from home. And then with technology nowadays, you know, it's uh, pretty seamless. Yeah. So, David, obviously you said that you're a litigator, but uh, tell us a little bit more about what your practice is, what your focus is. So primarily I do trust and estate disputes. And... Uh, Primarily, I represent corporate fiduciaries, and so 
uh, large uh, you know, national banks. I've got some more regional banks and that's trust departments. Um, and I'm that is the head state. state. Uh, and and so, so I represent them now when it comes to conflict. Sometimes that means a lawsuit. Sometimes it means just trying to find a solution from them to get around a, a, a conflict or a dispute, and which may result in having documents drawn up. Um, and so, uh, and so it's been you know, a really interesting practice. I also do some other types of fiduciary litigation, but primarily trust and estate, closely held and, business. Yep. And you do some appellate work too. I take it from your bio. Suggesting you're, yeah. Yes, you know I've had kind of a strange career. Um, I, I, <laughs> Haven't we all? Yeah, for probably five or six years, I did probably about ninety percent appellate and really enjoyed it. And uh, then about ten or fifteen years ago, I kind of focused really more on the trial work. Um, I've always had a practice in fiduciary, um, but I've really expanded that over the last ten years, which is my uh, interest area and it's uh so it's worked really well for me but to answer your question i really enjoy the research and writing and analytical yeah. part of the law um yeah. i'd much rather write a summary judgment motion or respond to one than to go take a deposition so yeah yeah uh so uh well speaking of writing uh you've got uh, the blog texas fiduciary litigator tell us about the blog what the focus of the blog is so it's primarily well it's just all uh, there'll be a number of cases that, you know, tangentially or directly hit on important fiduciary issues. And so I post every week on updates for the case law. And then I have own just my own interest kind of articles that I've written on fiduciary issues and post those up on the blog as well. And so um, and so that it's, you know, it, there's not a trust. I would say there's not a trust case that gets decided. That's not on my blog. Probably 90 percent of the estate cases. There are some that aren't important and I don't report on. But 80, 90 percent of those get on the blog and then also closely held business, maybe even some employment, some other types of fiduciary issues. Because I find they all kind of inter, interact at some point. They all kind of intersect. And, and, and so I try to keep my my pulse on all, all that case law in this in this region. It's interesting that you say that, because I was as I was reading through your blog, I was thinking how can there be so much activity uh, on what seems to be a fairly narrow area of law? I'm in Massachusetts, uh, and I can't imagine there would be that much activity in the courts around issues of, of uh, fiduciary around fiduciary issues that would be uh, reportable on a, on a blog. So uh, I, I, it looks like you've got a steady flow of stuff coming through. That's right. And it is amazing. And that's one reason why I really love my practice is because you'd think after all the hundreds of years uh, going back to English law with trusts or estates that it all be pretty well settled. And it's just not. I mean, uh, it, it, it's such a statutory area. I and mean, we have the trust code, we have the estates code, uh, we've got model codes, we've got the restatements. And um, even with all of this, there's still common law that comes into play. And so that's it's just it's just an ever changing area. And so I find it intellectually difficult and stimulating. Yeah. So why did you start the blog in the first place? What got you interested in blogging? Well, I actually had an earlier blog um, and it was more diffuse. It was on it was the financial appellate voice. And so the thought being if there is a, a financial institution case that gets decided in Texas, I was going to blog on it back when I was doing more of my appellate practice. And the problem is just too diffuse. I mean, you know, you've got all these, 
you know, lender cases and retail side and all this stuff. And it was almost, it was little, it was too much uh, to do really for one person. And so uh, I decided that I wanted to focus really more narrowly on the fiduciary side, because that's really what I did. And that's when it really took off. So I technically didn't, I, I just kind of abandoned my first blog, started a whole new one. And uh, I think that was around 2014, 2015. And uh, since then, it's really been so much easier for me because hey, that's the area I practice in. I want to keep up on that case law anyway. And um, and so it, it, it fits perfectly that way. But to answer your question, why did I do it? Um, you know, I've seen lots of great lawyers that don't have client bases. And I've seen lots of mediocre lawyers that have tons of clients. And I never understood that. And and so, you know, there's, I guess you could be born into a client relationship. I never had a lot of that. Um, so I think I had to get out there and hustle. And I do what I'm sure you're familiar with content marketing, uh, letting people know that I'm an expert in an area of the law. And so, uh, this is the way for me to, to get my name out there and to get people to realize that David Johnson knows what he's talking about when it comes to trust and estate litigation. Yeah. And, and was that the motivation when you first started your first? What, so I think you start from what I could see, you started this blog in October 2015. At least that was the first post I could find on it. Uh, so and you were doing the other one before. I mean, had you been already familiar with blogging and following blogs before you started doing your own blog? Vaguely, yes. I had a, a kind of a mentor in the firm, a completely different practice area. He did um, uh, real estate transactional work and he had a blog uh, and he was he was always uh, I worked with him on some disputes and whatnot. Uh, where I was the litigator, he was the client relationship lawyer. And he was just always talking about his blog and and the kind of reaction he got quoted in the, the Wall Street Journal multiple times. And and, you know, and so I just really, really respected him. And so it was a good mentor type thing to make me start thinking about that as a way to get my name out there as a way to kind of fill in a, a space. Yeah. So so when you shifted from doing this kind of more diverse blog to doing the more focused Texas fiduciary litigator, uh, what was how, how did that work out at first? I mean, what was the impact of that uh, in terms of uh, bringing attention to your practice? Well, it's a slow, for me, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how you've been slow, but I mean, you know, you're not going to get an immediate reaction. You have to, it's, it's a, it's a long play. Yeah. And, 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 and for me, it's, it's, it is business generating, but it's also just, I enjoy it. You know, it's, 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 it's my hobby. I used to be a, a bad golfer and I, I gave that up. And <laughs> so really this is my, this is my hobby now and I enjoy it. And so on the weekends, I enjoy getting on and writing up stuff and posting it up there, but it also has the side benefit of helping my, you know, professional life as well. Maybe bloggers all should have handicaps. That might be a thing. I don't know how we calculate that, but uh, uh, do you? Did you? Uh, had you? I mean, obviously, you're an appellate lawyer, so you've got a lot of experience writing. Um, uh, you know, writing appellate briefs and clearly as a lawyer, you have experience as a writer, but did you have experience as a writer other than like as any journalism background or anything like that before you started blogging? <laughs> I laugh because my undergrad is in accounting and you've got accounting professors <laughs> who don't know how to write. They've got accounting students who don't know how to write. And so I came out uh, uh, from undergrad and went to law school and, you know, law school, they're just, you know, they don't really care necessarily about style. They're just, are you getting the concepts? And um, so I, I, I clerked for a judge after my, after my uh, law school 
uh, career. And, and the judge was a fantastic writer. And I would turn in my, you know, draft opinions or memos and I would get them back um, and it would be half the length, but missing none of the content. And I was just amazed at, at that. And so then I took it on myself realizing that I wasn't a good writer. And I mean, I read grammar books um, I, and as for, for, for years and went to seminars and worked, worked, worked on my legal writing because that is such an important aspect of a, of a lawyer's career. And so, in my opinion, I became a decent writer through just self-education. Um, so it wasn't natural to me at all. Um, it was foreign to me, but I, but that's what got me into writing. And then that got me into the appellate, the appellate, uh, aspect. I wanted to get my name out there. So I did a lot of CLE presentations, a lot of writing. I have 20 published law review articles. Um, and so trying to market myself to other lawyers as, as an appellate lawyer. So I had a lot of content and, you know, I've got law review articles on lots of procedure and on substantive issues. And so it was, it was kind of a natural progression to blogging because I was kind of doing, I was used to that. I was doing that anyway. And so I use blogging as a, as, as a one aspect of my marketing. And so that's on the internet. I get individuals locate me, call me, uh, talk to someone this morning that found me, you know, out of uh, Houston and I'm probably going to get a, a new trust case down there that it arises out of that. But really what I wanted it for was to keep in a constant, you know, to, 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 my, to my large clients, my bank clients, I wanted to be kind of at their desk. And so they get an alert from me. I've got 150 people who subscribe to my blog. And so they get my alerts when I post on it. And most of those people are my clients. They're people in the banks that can hire me. And so they see that I post like a new case on trust law or estate law. And so it's a way to keep in front of them. And then what I do is every summer I will take a, all the content from my blog and I put it into a paper and I call it a litigation update paper and do a presentation. So I'll go into my clients and do lunch and learns and uh, provide them lunch, give them an hour of free CLE or CE credit or uh, you know, CTFA credit or whatever it is that I can get signed up for. And, and then on top of that, I do quarterly webinars. And so I don't call them podcasts. I call them webinars. People can sign up, get a free CLE. It could be anybody. It could be lawyers. It could be clients. It could be anybody that looks at my blog. And so um, doing independent articles on a quarterly basis for that. And so kind of I put all this stuff together, and that's my content and marketing. So the blog is really what makes it go because I get so much of my content from it to do the updates. Um, but uh, but I, I look at it all in tandem as the way to go. And, you know, I, I learned, I, I was told, you know, I think the old way that lawyers market is to be involved in civic groups mm-hmm. and to get out in the community and all that stuff's important. And I do it, but not for business generation, because in my opinion, the legal profession is becoming specialized so much more. And even in you know, smaller markets, uh, people are, are starting to become more sophisticated legal purchasers, and they want to find someone who doesn't draft wills and also, you know, real estate transactions and also litigates this and also does some family law. And I mean, they want someone who's done 100 trust cases. They know the ins and outs of the trust law. They, they know the, the warts on the case. They know the good things about your case. And um, and so. And so this is a way for me to, to become 
knowledge to be known as that person in that very discreet niche practice. And so, so it, it's, it's worked you know, really, really well for me. And uh, because for two reasons, one, I enjoy it. And two, you know, I think people look, go on the internet to find lawyers, clients who have me on their approved lists are getting me on their computers once a week. And so they're going to think of me. Yeah. Are you, are you, clients mostly in the Fort Worth area or are they throughout the state of Texas? Most, most of my clients are not in Fort Worth. Most of my clients, I've got a lot of clients in Dallas. I've got clients in San Antonio, Houston. Um, I do have clients in Fort Worth, obviously. Um, but, you know, I've got in-house counsel in Chicago and New York that cover Texas for a bank, right? And so they know that, you know, if they've got a trust dispute in Texas, uh, you know, I'm going to call David up, even though they're in Chicago. I've never met him in person. It's, I met him on video like this. Um, but so it could, so it doesn't really matter where they are so much. Um, I find. Yeah. So, uh, I'm curious, I mean, you, you do all these different kinds of writing, you do appellate writing, you do uh, litigation, uh, brief writing, you do law review art writing, you do brief, uh, uh blog writing. How, how is your blog writing different or the same than all the other writing you're doing? Are, are you tailoring it in a, in a different way, writing in a different style? That's a great question. And I probably should be doing that more, to be honest. <laughs> different, different people blog very differently. And, and my blog posts uh, are probably more legalistic, right? More, more, of, a, more of a legal style. Um, probably could be more conversational. Um, but I guess that's just the way I write. And But I, I will provide, I would say about probably half of my blog posts are not just here's a case that came out and here's the holding and why they held this way, but I go into and I call it an interesting note. And it's kind of my take on why the case is correct, why the case is wrong, um, or other aspects of the case that have, may implicate other areas of law. And so that is, I guess, more uh, conversational in style than just my straight up Here's a blog post. And then on my on my article side type stuff, not just the case updates, but here's a, you know, punitive damages in Texas or whatever it is. Um, you know, that's going to be kind of more like a law review article type style, because once again, that's just kind of the way I write. So I find people it, it may not be conversational, um, but people have commented that, you know, that they really enjoy the content, even though it's a little more formal. Yeah, and I, I didn't, certainly did not mean to suggest there's a right or a wrong way to do it because there is no right way to do it. Uh, it's more what works for you and what's working for your audience. And it sounds like it's working for you just as you're doing it. So uh, uh, I don't think you have to worry about trying to change it up in any way. Um, so how how ha I mean how has it worked for you from a marketing perspective? Do you have you seen results either directly from the blog, or do you feel that it's uh, in some other way had an impact on your practice? It's had a huge impact, and uh, not at first. And you had to be patient. Right. Um, it, you know, it wasn't like I started in 2015 and all of a sudden I started getting a bunch of cases. You know, I mean, you know, you you, you start. You get some of your clients that you hope are your friends that help support you and forwarded your information around to other people at your client bank or whatever it is. And, and it grows organically. And so, you know, I start with, with one follower and now I've got 150 followers. Um, I've got about 90 Twitter followers. And so we were talking before, I mean, 
I have on my blog and I have a post. It gets linked up to LinkedIn. It goes to Twitter. Um, our firm has a Twitter account. Sometimes it gets like, that stuff. And so it's all kind of multimedia. And so, so you know, I, I would say, um, I mean, just from, I mean, it's, it's hard to say necessarily it's all attributable to my blog, but I mean, my, uh, my client base has grown fourfold in the last five or six years. And maybe it's just my age and coming into my own, you know, in, in my career. I'm sure there's a lot to do with it, but I have to give a lot of credit to the blog as well. And like I said, I, I'm, it's kind of funny because some of my friends have benefited from my blog because I'll get smaller matters in, you know, people that need help. And it's not really fit, you know, efficient for me to handle form. I'm able to refer it to, to, to friends. Um, and then for the larger matters that I can help with, then, and then I do. And so, I mean, I had a client find me in South Texas and they had over a hundred thousand acres of ranch property and six different trusts, um, fighting with their siblings. You know, one sibling wanted to control it all and not sell it. It's been in our family for 80 years. And my client is 74 years old and says, I've had this trust worth $25 million that I've never gotten a single distribution from my entire life. <laughs> and so, you know, I was able to, we were able to hopefully knock on wood, get a settlement drafted, get all that land partitioned. She's going to be able to sell her property and move on with her life and be able to enjoy, you know, stuff that her parents and grandparents wanted her to enjoy. And so, you know, I, that client wouldn't have found me had I not had my blog, I don't think. They wouldn't have found my fiduciary writing, my trust writing. Um, I probably reported on some case about partition, and she found that and said, hey, here's someone that knows you know, something about what I'm going through. And so, yeah. yeah. Has blogging uh, helped you uh, help raise your um, visibility among other lawyers in Texas? I mean, are, are you kind of the go-to guy uh uh, in in your area, uh, do the lawyers tend to think of you more because of your blogging to refer cases? Um, well, you know, it's um, I like to think that people are are knowledgeable of me. Um, I do a lot of speaking for state bar events. I've had people um, cite to my blog, I've used my blog for their update case, you know, papers and presentations. And so I've had very nice people, you know, comment to me and say that, you know, my blog has been really a resource for them. Just had a brand new lawyer join our firm. I just talked with him yesterday afternoon and he has a, a blog and he does completely different area law. He does real estate litigation. And um, and so we were talking about it. And he said that he'd follow my blog before he ever joined my law firm and knew of me. And so, you know, that's that's really nice. I had a funny story. I had a. Uh, had an associate in our Houston office, and she, and, and she actually had her family had a uh, had a case went to the Supreme Court. I blogged on it. She wasn't involved in that case. She found my blog post, and then she hired me. We were in the same law firm, and she didn't know me she, and didn't know my practice area. Uh, found out someone blogged on this case that she had an interest in, and then hired me that way. So it's just it's it's crazy the way that things kind of come back at you. And, but to answer your question. I mean, I, I like to think other lawyers think of me um, as a as a resource, and I've got a lot of lawyers that tell me they follow my blog, and and judges too, and that's 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 that's, that's very you know, humbling. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of your firm, how, how is your 
firm um what is your firm's attitude toward blogging? I mean, is your firm supportive of, of, of blogging? Are there other blogs at your firm as well? Other blog, well, you mentioned that there are other bloggers at your firm as well, but does your firm uh, support you in your blogging? It does. Um, I mean, financially it supports it. it. It pays for the blog and whatnot. And then, um, you know, and I'm sure everybody has their own opinions on stuff. You got more yeah. old school people and, and new school people and, um, but but the firm does definitely support it from a resource perspective, and then you know gives me a pat a boy and a pat in the back when you know I get awards or whatever for it. So um, so the firm's been great, and I, you know it's interesting because I do have other people in the firm uh, that have blog. Um, they've had a lot of blogs that just kind of they get started and get really excited, and they just kind of go away because right. they lose interest. They don't yeah. stay with it. Yeah, and you know, I tell people you you kind of have to do it three four years before you really see much of an impact to your practice. I mean, yeah. and people have to have patience. Um, I've got a one partner, and we blog very differently. Um, you know, he he views it like uh, he tries to be very conversational, and he's not very legalistic, and he posts probably about once every six weeks, um, and and so. I do case reports. Mine's more legal, more like law review, more appellate. And I post every week. And so and I don't think there's any right or wrong way to do it. It's just kind of your personality and, and kind of maybe what your goals are. He, I know he, he feels like he gets a lot out of his blog. People find him um, yeah. for it. And um, so um, I don't think there's any one right or one wrong way to do it. I would say do it the way that you enjoy it. Yeah. Did you kind of fall into a, a, a schedule or a routine naturally, or did you just kind of set that for yourself? Do you have a particular day of the week that you blog on or publish on, or how do you do that? It changes. Yeah. Um, I try to do it about a week apart, and so it just depends on when the last time I did it. And so sometimes it, so it, it varies. Um, right now, for several reasons, I'm tending to post more on Thursday, Friday. Sometimes it, it shifts around. Sometimes I post on... I normally do my, my work on the weekends. Um, maybe if I got an hour and a half you know, on a Tuesday and I'm not doing anything, I'll go do some. Um, so, but then I, I keep a, a, a document in Word and just kind of add all these, all this stuff. So I've got kind of a, a, you know, a resource I can go to, it's ready to go. And then I just go uh, post it up. And so I get nervous when I don't have anything kind of ready to go. Um, and so I usually have at least four or five cases ready to be posted at any time. Because you give me, I am at the whim of the courts, and I don't necessarily know when the courts are going to post their opinions. And sometimes I'll get five opinions in one week, and sometimes I'll go a month without an opinion. Right. And so right. you kind of have to pace it out a little bit. Yeah. So when you go a month without an opinion, you're you're using the things you've saved or collected or scrapbooked or whatever you want to call it. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. yeah. Uh, you're not the only person contributing to your blog, right? There are other authors on your blog. I'm the only author. You're the only author. I thought I saw another name on there. Well, originally I had, um, a lawyer that uh, was a, a great friend of mine and still is. And he, he left the law firm about two years ago. And so originally he was a co-blogger with me, but to be honest, he probably only posted about two articles. Um, he, you know, he, he didn't maybe have the same interest level I did in it. And so, uh, so there are about two articles that he wrote that are in the blog, but otherwise everything is, is, it, it's all me. 
and everything is here. Oh, you know what? I, I think what well, actually what I what I was looking at was some some of the things seem to get posted to your blog, but under the firm name as the byline rather than as on your name. So I don't know if those are like news items or something or. or uh, yeah. And, and so and to be honest, it's kind of funny because as a blogger, you think I'd, I'd be really great at technology and, and I'm really not. And so. <laughs> Luckily, the firm has good uh, good tech people, um, marketing people, and so there's a wonderful woman I get to work with. And so occasionally I'll say, "Hey, would you mind posting this paper up on my blog or posting this?" So I you'll see. see the firm marketing people posting stuff up um, for me. Um, and so I, I probably could learn it pretty easily, but at this point, I just I post up material that I write, but I don't I don't know how to. Uh, upload a PDF to my blog. So I, when I want someone to upload a PDF, I have to go to Rachel Guy and she does it for me. Perfect. Or you can call the Lex blog people. They'll help you with that. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, David, we're just about at the end of our time here, but I wonder, do you have any advice you'd like to share with other legal professionals who are, you know, either just starting out in blogging or considering starting a blog uh, on, on uh, any secrets uh, or advice that, that you've learned over the years of doing this? I would say the first thing is to have patience. It's, it's not an instant um, gratification type thing. Secondly, it's uh, to think ahead and to have you know, a lot of material ready so that when you have dry spells, you've got something to post up there. Uh, and, and third, I would say is try to really focus in and be as specific as you can on the area of law that you wanna practice in. Um, and, and to give a funny anecdote, there was a fiduciary case that was a homeowners association case, a board member of a homeowner association. I don't do any homeowners association law at all, and so I have that one case posted up on my blog and I probably get four calls a year from people who are mad at their homeowners associations mm -hmm. wanting to retain me. And I always have to say, no, I don't do that. So you have to be careful. If you, if you post stuff up on your blog, be ready for people to call you or email you about it. And so, uh, you know, so that's why you know, I try to be as focused as I can. And, and that to me has been the key to whatever success I've had with this one. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I had a, I had, I once posted some. I write a blog about legal technology, which has nothing to do even with the practice of law, really. But uh, I, I once wrote a post about food allergy law because I have a, a child who has food allergy, and I was kind of just wrote a post about various resources available for uh, those who have legal issues around food allergies. That was probably I don't know more than five years ago. I wrote that post, and I get. I still get emails from people all the time wanting to hire me as a food allergy lawyer. I don't do food allergy law, but uh, it, it is funny. Well, I really appreciate your taking the time to uh, be with us today. It's been a real pleasure to uh, talk to you, and congratulations on all the success you've had with your with your blog and, and otherwise. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, Bob. It's been a lot of fun. Great. We've been uh, speaking here today with David Johnson, the uh, author of the blog, Texas Fiduciary Litigator, Fort Worth office, or these days based out of his home office, I guess. Uh, and uh, we will be back next week with another episode of This Week in Legal Blogging. As I said at the beginning, a reminder that you can find all of these episodes on YouTube at youtube.com slash LexBlogs. So look for, look for them there. And on behalf of everybody at LexBlog, thanks for watching and listening. This is Bob Ambrogi. See you next time. Bye.